0: Let us pray and begin heavenly father may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you in jesus name we pray this amen i remember one friend who had to work in a call center where she had to call people and purposely identify herself as someone else in order to collect information now this is for market research And it is for the collecting of personal information on people so they know how to target their advertisements. While the caller will lie about their identity and record the information that they gain, they are not going to use it for any other things rather than just targeting. However, this involves deception. So is it okay for her to work in that job? Now people in that line of work will say, it's okay, it's just how the industry works. That's just market research. People called on being harmed after all. So she should not complain about it and just do the job. After all, it's not easy for a fresh graduate to find work. Her conscience, however, was unwilling to justify lying to people in order to take advantage of them. Taking personal data is still infringing on something that belongs to them, even if they're not directly harmed by it. And so, she quit her job. Did she do the right thing, or was she being foolish? How do you think Christians should behave in this situation? Today, we look a little closer on this topic as we begin the Ninth Commandment in Exodus 20. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, we want to recognize that technically, this is not a prohibition against lying in all circumstances. Rather, taken in its context, it's about giving testimony or being a witness in a court case. Now, in that context of bearing false witness, the Jewish legal system relies on the testimony of witnesses To judge if someone is guilty or innocent. Back then, there were no CCTV, CSI labs or forensic specialists and so the word of the witness carried a heavy burden. It is on the word of the witness that a person may be killed or found innocent. In some cases, the persecutors can even have the witness themselves be the accuser of the person on the trial. And if someone is found to be guilty and is to be punished to death by stoning, it is the witness who established the guilt who will throw the first stone. Deuteronomy 19, which was read earlier, provides that if someone gives false witness and is discovered by the judge, then the situation will be reversed and the witness will be punished instead. Such was the seriousness and burden of being a witness. Now, up to this point, some of you will be thinking, this sermon has no relevance to my life. You were expecting to hear about the sin of lying, but you are now told that the Nine Commandments is about not lying in a court case. Well, maybe the lawyers will still stay awake to listen, but for most of us, how often do we go to court to give witness? So should you take a short nap until the end of the sermon? Actually, while this commandment doesn't directly apply to lying in everyday situation, actually it does point out how we should be thinking about lying. Let me explain more. Now we know that the Ten Commandments was more of a framework of the law, and the law was expanded later on to give us a clearer picture of what God expects, and we see that in Exodus 23. In Exodus 23, we see that God forbids the Israelites from spreading a false report, joining hands with the wicked to be a malicious witness, ganging up against someone with falsehood, or dealing with someone in a partial manner. So we see that the core concern here is about the perversion of justice. So what was happening here in this commandment was that God was setting the rules clearly for his people, so that they shall understand justice is important to God. They are shown through this that as God's people, they should be a people who seek to protect justice by themselves being agents of justice who speak the truth, which will enable people to be governed in a just manner. So the purpose of this commandment is so that the people can see. That God was setting the rules to establish a nation that is just and righteous. So there's an aspect of nation building here. And this is in line with God's plan that as the nations see Israel, see the justice and the goodness of it, they will be drawn in to come and believe in God. And that's what it means for Israel to be a light to the nation. But more than national identity, we do see that God is concerned about the individual's character. And this is so important, right? That God says that anyone who seeks to pervert justice must be destroyed from God's Israel. And that's why the law is so strict on those who are caught lying in court. The evil of these people must be removed before more and more people learn from them And they themselves now start to pervert justice for their own gain. The implication of this is not only that Israel is supposed to be a nation of justice and fairness, they are to be a nation populated by people who speak the truth and do not seek to cheat the legal system. People who are righteous in their words. They are not to lie in such a way, that by the judgment of the law, another person's possession or reputation, even life, is taken from them unjustly. And this then is at the heart of the nine commandment, which forbids the giving of a false witness. So we see here that God, through this commandment, and the way that this commandment is expanded thereon, shows us that both as a whole nation and as individuals, Those who profess to belong to God's kingdom are those who speak the truth in such a way that justice will be upheld. So if you are to be a credible witness, a Christian who's coming to give witness, then you must be trusted to give witness. You must be a person who's dependable and not someone who's a liar. Therefore, while the specific purpose may be related to the court, the ultimate purpose is for all God's people to be trustworthy, having a character that allows them to be truthful agents for justice in the court or in the community. And this is something you can't achieve if you're a liar. Now, in Hosea chapter 4, there is a summary of the Ten Commandments that we see in verse 2. And what he does there is that he broadens the Ninth Commandment, not only about bearing false witness, but he just uses the blanket term lying. So, Hosea sees that the Ninth Commandment, while in its context it's about witnessing in court, is still related to lying in the everyday sense. And Hosea charges everyone who lies, not just in the court, but in their daily lives, as someone who has broken the commandment. Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 5, Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And what he establishes here is that Christians should be truthful and their words dependable. Jesus wants us to be a people who are so righteous in our words That when we say something, we mean it and we are believed for it. That means we should not lie. We should be people who are truthful in what we say. Christians should not lie. Ephesians 4 verse 25 urges us to put away falsehood and speak the truth with our neighbors. Not just resisting giving false witness in court, but to go further and be a person who speaks the truth to their neighbour. And so this is what we have to strive to do. To not speak anything that is a lie, and to be honourable and truthful in our speech. Now, there may be some of you who might want to argue, we can't speak truth all the time, if grandma, because of her poor eyesight, made cookies with salt instead of sugar. I will eat it and still say it's nice because I don't want to hurt her feelings. Some might go to the Bible and point out, Hey, Rahab, the midwives who lied to Pharaoh in the book of Exodus. People lie, what? So how should we respond? When is it okay to lie? Now, this is actually not a good or helpful question to ask. Now, imagine, right? You have a guy coming and asking, Pastor, Scripture tells me I should not be sexually immoral with my girlfriend. But actually, is it okay ah, when we are both alone, I take my hand, I put it, and whatever he says from that point, you know that this guy just wants to find out exactly how far can I push it until it's labeled as sin. Touch here, okay or not? Touch that, okay or not? He's looking for exceptions and loopholes. And the real problem is he's approaching a question of godliness with legalism how far can i go tell me pastor how can i get god to license the sin in my heart so don't ask when is it okay to lie instead just see god does not want us to lie so we want to be truthful in all things we want to resist the temptation to lie in every circumstances jesus did not lie even unto death so do not seek to justify when you can lie so that you can be legalistic about things the real question we should be asking when it comes to this temptation or question of lying is how can i serve god and his people with my mouth how do i serve righteousness and justice with my tongue How can I show my love for God with my speech? It is not by lying. Lying is like a slippery slope. You start lying for what you call good reasons, and maybe you start with little white lies that you tell yourself, isn't really wrong, despite scripture saying don't lie. But as you make it a habit to lie, first to make people and yourself comfortable, you start to end up slowly lying more and more for your benefit until at one point you are lying to bring about injustice. Your conscience becomes seared and you will find it easier to lie for anything that makes you uncomfortable. Lying then becomes a habit and a way of life And you are then fully trapped in sin without even realizing how deep in it you are. So how do you respond to grandma's cookies that taste like the seven seas condensed into biscuit form? Maybe tell her the truth in a loving way. Tell her, I appreciate your love and care and then tell her the truth. But the cookies were really salty. So seek to tell the truth, avoiding even white lies that you feel is okay, it doesn't cause harm to people. Do this so that you will grow in your willingness to tell the truth when it is uncomfortable to you. If you can't even tell the truth to your grandma, do you really expect to speak the truth when your life is at stake? If you do not train to tell the truth in small things, you will compromise yourself and the gospel when push comes to shove. So learn to tell the truth in all things, even the so-called small white lies. So having talked about that, how then do we utilize lies in our lives? And I think there are four big categories. We can lie to exchange the truth, to pervert the truth, to hijack the truth, and to conceal the truth. Let me go through these four categories. The first one, when we lie to exchange the truth, what we do is that we use the lie and then we spread it as truth to get what we want. We flatter other people with an eye to manipulate them. We lie in order to get approval from other people. Wow, you look so good in that. Have you lost weight? If it's not strictly true, and you may justify just a white lie to make them feel happy, But think about it, what's the motivation behind that action? You want to manipulate people so that they will like you more. Is it a righteous thing to desire to be loved by speaking that which is untrue? Of course not. Because you want to be loved, you are willing to become truthless for that. We also lie to hide our sins or hide the sins of others. Oh, I don't have problem with that sin. Right? Eight commandments really, all good. Why do we lie about our sin? Because we want to avoid shame. So is it righteous to want to avoid speaking truthfully about sin? Absolutely not. But we do that because we want to be comfortable. We want to be respected. But through that lie we lose an opportunity to show others, hey, we all sin. And you will make other people think they alone are sinners and end up discouraging them when in fact all of you are on the same boat. We lie when we pervert the truth, when we exaggerate to impress people, what the fish was this big. Is it righteous to brag about achievements that's not really ours? No. The second category we lie when we misrepresent a story so that we can frame the narrative the way we want to make others look bad, or when we intentionally mislead people to manipulate them. Wow, when driving, I signal already, I very slowly, carefully come into the lane. Suddenly, the guy honk at me, yell at me as if he owns the road. You may have told this story to others, but you know what you did. The third category, we hijack the truth by taking someone else's story and then tell it as gossip that is biased towards ourselves. instead of letting them present it. We lie by withholding information that can exonerate someone. We lie by controlling information so people will believe what we want them to believe. Have you ever told a story about how this person mistreated me? and then generously soften your own offence that led to their action towards you. We all do that. The fourth category, we conceal the truth by intentionally being quiet for our own convenience and allowing for others to suffer the harm. We can be silent for revenge. We can be silent in reproving someone who is a brother or sister in Christ and through that fail to speak the truth in love. Have you seen someone sin in church? Or maybe people go into argument, that spilled over into a fight. You see it, and instead of calling them out lovingly, you ignore the issue. You pretend nothing happened, I see nothing. And you do not question them lovingly. Brother, have you made amends? Are you ready to be serving in church? Are you ready to receive communion? And when we lie in this way, we lie to ourselves and we lose an opportunity to build each other up. So you see, there are many ways that we can utilize lies and at the core of it, the whole reason we lie is so that we gain something for our benefit but actually we end up causing harm. So when we twist the truth for this reason, regardless of what justifications you may have, He deserved it. I had to do it. I had no choice. Everyone does it. All of this justification is useless nonsense. All you have proven is that you are a lying sinner. So how many of us here lie? Who here is a lying sinner? I suspect all of us are, as am I. We have all failed to be righteous in all things. Maybe we don't lie in court for our benefit as the Nine Commandments forbid us, but are we people known for our righteousness? Like Jesus told us to be, are our yes really yes and our no really no? We may try to do this, but it is hard, isn't it? So what can we do about it? Firstly, remember that no one can fulfill the law. If the law can be fulfilled by any other means apart from Jesus coming to fulfill that law on our behalf, then the incarnation of Christ and his death at the cross was a total waste. So come to Jesus and seeing that he lived a life without lies and because of that he went to the cross to die on behalf of all who lie and sin. That is, on your behalf, he went to the cross. Remember that he took your sin. He took your punishment so that you can be right with God. And that calls you towards something, to repent. And we may try and fail a thousand times a thousand times, But we do have the assurance that Christ forgives us every single time we genuinely ask for forgiveness. But to ask for forgiveness is to change our hearts towards our sin and seeking to reject it from our lives. So to keep on lying and then confessing that we lie without making any resolve to stop is pretentious. God's grace is not a cheap grace. It demands a cost from us. It demands a change of heart. If we come to him for forgiveness and mercy, then we need to fully see the need for us to change. And the gospel leads us to change. So that is my appeal to you today. Change. And if it's hard, get help. Go see a counsellor or a pastor or talk to a Christian that you trust, especially if you find that lying is so ingrained that it's choking out the truth. Now, we remember the ultimate purpose of the Ten Commandments is for us to learn to behave like God's people and reflect his kingdom. There is a call, therefore, for God's people to be a light unto the nation. So your character matters. We cannot continue to hold on to lies and still call ourselves a faithful minister of God's gospel. By our very character, we have already casted doubt on the gospel that we share. If you are someone who regularly lies about things, if you're someone who exaggerates things to make yourself look better, if you lie to your bosses, to your friends, if you have a reputation, your word is not worth anything, what weight will your gospel proclamation have? So change for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of everyone around you who needs to hear that gospel, for your own conscience' sake for your capacity to really trust in Christ, change. Do not let lies rule over you. Do not become truthless. Speak the truth and pay the cost. Remember my friend who quit her job at the call center? She wanted to love God and she rejected falsehood and she paid for it. She lost her job. She struggled for quite a while couldn't find a job, doubted her own self-worth, but through that season of suffering, she learned what it means to obey God. It was a really difficult period for her. But today, she's doing full-time ministry. Because she rejected lies, God has so kindly blessed her with freedom to speak the gospel truth to people. How blessed is it then to persevere and speak the truth to honor God? Your reward may not be in this life, but God sees all. God knows all. If for your honesty and love of God you lose everything, even your life, do you not trust that God will return back all that you lost and give you even more? So do not be afraid of the cause trust in God and speak the truth. When it seems difficult because you're really worried about the cost that you have to pay if you speak the truth, look to that man hung at that cross for your sake. The man who did not sin, did not tell a single lie, and strengthen yourself to reflect his character, to speak the truth, trusting in God, just as Jesus did being willing to share in his suffering because he suffered for you. Finally, see that when we bear false witness, we are lying into someone else's life for our own benefit at the cost of someone being judged and wrong. What's the opposite of that? It would be speaking the truth into someone's life for their benefit, and bearing the cause of being judged or wrong for the truth that we speak. And friends, the most beneficial truth that we can speak into someone's life is the gospel. So be willing to speak the gospel truthfully, regardless of the cost to yourself. If you are able to do this, then you train yourself in obeying the spirit of the nine commandments. So speak the truth at all times for the good of others. Fight lies for your own good and speak the gospel truthfully regardless of the cost. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to see the lies that we tell ourselves. Help us to really look on what our habits have led us to and give us the strength to change our ways. Lead us to help, Father. And help us to be truthful people who glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.